Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Sales Targeting How to Attract and Pursue the Right Leads for Your Business. Make sure you download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 349. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and I am really looking forward to speaking with today's guest. He's the founder and CEO of Publio, a marketing consulting and training firm that helps companies transition from their traditional marketing approaches to adopt an ROI-based content publishing strategy. Over the course of his career, he's he's really kind of worked in the gamut of organizations. He has launched 11 startups, and he's also worked in sales and marketing in organizations like IBM and Apple, which you might have heard of. He also serves as a board member and a fractional CMO for multiple organizations, and he is my neighbor in the city and the New York metro area. So welcome to the show, Keith Reynolds. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Nice to be here. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for joining me. I'm looking forward to the rest of our conversation. But before we jump into that, um, I just introduced some, you know, bullets about you, but that's not who you are. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, Sure. Um, So I've been in technology and marketing uh, and the intersection thereof for uh, many years. I wrote and produced my first website in 1994 and have been designing marketing uh, solutions around the internet um, ever since. About uh, 12 years ago, I had a website that um, I generated a lead um, and asked me to testify to Congress. And we submitted the testimony to Congress, and that led to an introduction to a national laboratory, and they acquired one of our systems. And that whole chain of events led me to the idea of inbound marketing and publishing content and really moving away from the who we are, what we do kind of website to having a a very high-end blog as part of a website so that it's it's about informing and educating uh, your customers or entertaining your customers. But really the idea is to build an audience of customers. And um, as, as the years have progressed ever since, um, I've developed a methodology that I, I am teaching uh, and consulting with to help companies focus their content publishing to achieve their goals. I think that is one of the more unique uh, starting strategies that I've ever heard of. Never really heard, you know, testifying before Congress led me to start my company. Uh, but I love it. And there's there's so much in what you said and what it is you do. So I want to make sure that we start kind of from a foundation where we know what we're talking about. And so, you know, you've identified that more traditional marketing approaches don't work. So what is not working when it comes to those marketing approaches? What needs are they not meeting or how are they not addressing the way the world is now? Oh, that that's that's a big question. That we we've gone through <laughs> so many changes over the last ten or twelve years. Um, while while direct mail is still being used, um, it is um, it has reduced in its footprint in the overall marketing mix of companies and digital communications with customers um, integrated right into your advertising and and 
marketing is um, is possible because of all the changes from a technological standpoint. Um, in in around 2007, Salesforce invested in HubSpot, and that really made the the entire chain of events from somebody hearing about you to closing the sale and even having people advocate for you. That entire mm. customer journey is now able to be managed in a dashboard. Before that, you had the sales department and the marketing department, and they each had their own database of leads. And marketing would occasionally say, hey, I have some leads for you, sales. <laughs> now, sales and marketing can operate as one, one process. And that's a big change that organizations have to understand today. Absolutely. I, I think of how many times you talk to people in the sales organization and they say, marketing is giving us garbage leads and we don't know what to do with the leads that they give us. And then you talk to this, the marketing organization and they say, we're doing great work. We're hitting all of our targets. We're Look at the beautiful website we made. Look at all these leads we generated. And the sales team doesn't feel like they're, they're getting them. And there's frustration really on both sides. So that idea of kind of breaking down the silo and making sure they're they're following a, a strategy that both of them can leverage their abilities is really necessary. That's right. And it, it requires leadership, right? Because the sales and marketing now have to cooperate. And on the front end of the process, we really need to understand what it is sales is looking for. And we try and tune our content uh, and our advertising to bring in the right people. And then we have to qualify them and then when they're stuck at the bottom of the funnel, we may you know, be part of the sales enablement team to help understand what we can do to unstick leads that, that are languishing in the bottom of the funnel. Um, mm-hmm. But if we're all operating off the same base of information, it's a lot easier. Absolutely. It, it can really lead to a lot of wasted effort also when they're not working together. And I think that's a lot of times when you have a lack of a consistent strategy and and there isn't alignment, what you have happening is both teams working really hard and they feel like the others aren't because they're not getting the result that they want. And so just even to, to promote that, you know, teamwork and people understanding that you're all pulling in the same direction, um, really important from, from that cultural perspective, which, you know, when you said it's all about leadership, that's critical. Definitely. And and when everybody's working together in, in the same way, you can set up uh, uh, new ways to work together. So we have got cloud-based uh, marketing automation and CRM systems and cloud-based project management systems. Um, you can have, you know, operate out of the CRM, but you can have critical situation customers that might become a project in a, in a, in a project management tool. Um, mm-hmm. And, and really, you know, get that proposal out the door or, or um, organize these, this event for a, a roundtable for, you know, key customers. Um, those kinds of things may not happen in the CRM. So everyone has to be operating on the same page and, and really, as you said, uh, or confirmed, you know, leadership is really what it takes to bring that all together. Yeah. So um, I know... In the work that you do, you talk about how you you help organizations think like a publisher, and that could mean different things to different people. So I'd like to just start, what does that mean to you? And then we can get into some of the hows. (laughs) Sure. 
Um, well, the first thing I'll say is that publishing is not dead from the mm-hmm. standpoint of a um, little historical reference. Benjamin Franklin came up with the modern media model of publishing content and finding advertisers to support that. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it really takes a, a strong leader mentality to put stuff out uh, because some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to love it. There's a lot of passion when you, when you publish. Um, and about, you know, we, we've seen the numbers over the last 20 years, you know, as companies are moving from print models to digital models. So the things that a publisher has done over the last 270 years or, or what have you uh, are still being done. It's just the tools have changed. And hmm. as, as we touched on the organizational aspects, instead of operating off of two databases, because that's kind of how you had to do it before, now we're operating out of to- cloud-based tools, and we all have the same information. Um, so while the tools have changed, the things that a publisher has done to build an audience are really what com- cost our clients learn to do. Um, is to, when I say think like a publisher, you, uh, and, and we'll get into the, the, the approach in a few minutes, but the, the idea of putting content out there, getting it out into people's hands, getting people to interact uh, and, and form opinions and write into the, you know, the opinion um, letters to the editor kind of section, you know, think of what a magazine does. Then they hold a conference, um, you know, in the local mm-hmm. market might be the wedding uh, organization in, in big tech, it's conferences and, and uh, customer events, but you, you produce events. You, you even see on uh, TV and in radio, the publishers advertise in their space for their own, their own content. Watch this Absolutely. show, right? So all of the things that a publisher does is geared around building as big an audience as possible and finding ways to engage with them. Well, today, uh, instead of selling ads, what if your marketing department ran like a media company and instead, and, and so the replacement of the revenue that an ad would bring in is now, uh, the value of a lead to your organization. So if, mm. if I have a $1,000 product and I sell um, 100 of them, a, well, 100,000 of them a year, then I'm going to have a, a, a revenue model. Now, if I can produce content and get more people into my funnel, the value of a lead has a certain value. And every company has their own differences. So we have an ROI Mm -hmm. model that we work with our clients on to say, if I bring in a thousand leads and I close 10% of them, that's a hundred new customers and each one's worth a thousand dollars. That's a hundred thousand dollars in revenue. Well, wouldn't Mm you spend uh, $30,000 on your marketing then to generate a hundred thousand dollars? Now I can look at my marketing and my content publishing as a publisher would, who's trying to sell advertising, but we're just trying to get a lead. And we've got a, 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 a model to be able to plan our program so we can do planning based on those numbers that are in our funnel today. And 
then measure the success over time. Hmm. An interesting thing that, that I was thinking as you were talking is if you think about the first level of kind of more modern technology when it came to how it impacted traditional advertising-based marketing is it was used to try to identify ROI on those, you know, those ads and other things of having different phone numbers that they would call. So you could see which people saw what commercial or different landing pages when when they started putting websites on ads. I am old enough to remember when they didn't have them. Yeah. Uh, and the, there was a lot of important development in terms of just understanding that you can find ROI when it comes to leads. And that might have helped to identify the value of a lead. And so now you're able to take that and really turbocharge it, kind of take it in a in a more, um, in a clearer direction that has kind of less space between just kind of hoping, you know, somebody sees the ad that I, that I, have in various places, but really just driving people to custom content. Is that kind of a, a good summary? That's right. And hope is not a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. Um. So, um, yes, the, the, uh, so, so what's needed then is a, a method to go into this with and, and do the research, understand where your sources of audience members may be, come up with ways to engage them and use the, these modern tools we were talking about, these cloud-based systems that really allow you to stitch together the information about the experience all your customers are having. They're reading content, they're clicking on things. Um, one of the things that I, I hope we get into a little bit is that we've even advanced to the point now where people attending a Zoom call could be considered content. Mm. All of those things can be measured. Yeah. And so I'm really, my 2022 uh, message for our customers and potential customers is that things like Zoom enable you to have community and content, uh, I'm sorry, community and conversation as your content. You don't have to write a white paper and have a landing page and have people download. You can actually eliminate all of that if you invite people in to have a roundtable. And we're helping our clients put put those on um, with with our technology partner Sam AI, and and uh, we have a pretty predictable funnel that if you match up the topic of a roundtable with a list um, for every five thousand people that we invite, we're seeing between twenty and two hundred people arrive to a, to a roundtable. And frankly, mm -hmm. think about it: we've all been sitting on Zoom for two years, <laughs> locked down in a pandemic. <laughs> so. We're all preconditioned now to be invited to a roundtable. And that's not, that is not a webinar, right? That's a one way, I'm going to tell you everything I know. A roundtable is bringing people in for a discussion to solve a problem or discuss a topic that's of interest to them amongst themselves as peers. And the the thought leadership kind of comes to you or inures, I think is the word, it, it you get the credit for the thought leadership by facilitating a great conversation amongst prospective customers. Absolutely. That's, that's really fascinating because I do think um, the idea of webinars is very much, um, I'm pushing information out to you 
And I hope my information is engaging enough that you stay watching and that you maybe click the link that I have. But if it's a discussion, if it's a roundtable, people can be involved to the level that they want to. You're going to have some people more confident in speaking up, some people who are experiencing problems um, significantly enough that they're that they're going to want to contribute. And that, I would imagine, also drives uh, longer participation on the webinar. You don't have a lot of people register and don't show up or sign in and then drop out because it's it's more relevant content and people can actually be involved in guiding the direction of the content. And and there's a, since we're in sales, there's a, but wait, there's more <laughs> in this conversation. And, and that is that when you have people on a round table, you encourage them to share their contact information in the chat or, or you might, you know, uh, ask permission to send out the, the attendees to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the roundtable discussion, they they talk about who they are, what their goals are, how they service customers, or what problems they're dealing with, whatever's common amongst this group. So they get to see each other and then get the contact information. And we've now just helped them build their network. Absolutely. And you've and identified all of these common problems that organizations in this space have. That's right. <laughs> and so what, what I've found is that for... In general, and the, the numbers have a lot of variability, but I, I'm fairly confident in this as, as kind of the, the mean, if you will. Um, send out 5,000 invites, have a very relevant topic to a list of people who are peers, invite them with the value proposition of learning something about the topic through discussion with your peers, and you'll be able to exchange the information uh, your contact information and your network will grow. And and that really is where the value is. Why do people attend networking? There's free food, there's good content, and they come away with some business cards. Well, we're making that same promise today using um, uh, video conferencing tools that have chat involved. Absolutely. Um, and one thing that we definitely see is people who aren't comfortable speaking up verbally are much more comfortable using the chat. And so the fact that you can communicate through both and the fact that you're soliciting specific things in the chat, because you're not going to tell people share your contact information verbally, that would be a little silly. Um, mm-hmm. So you're you're kind of creating um, an environment of, hey, we're using the chat here. It has a purpose. And that's really inviting those maybe more reserved people to participate. In that way. Well, we we jumped into one very specific one, and um, I am going to take this back because I I feel like this is something that um, we will be talking about internally at Criteria for Success. But I want to take a step back because we're talking here about content and having a content strategy and publishing content. And I know there are some organizations who've already been doing some of this. Um, you know, they've got white papers, they publish ebooks, they have a blog, other things. And there are some organizations that have no idea where to start. So I would imagine you might have a process <laughs> that leaders follow um, and organizations follow when it comes to spinning up this function. Uh, well, I feel like I've been set up with the perfect question. So, so yes. Um, I mentioned early in my journey, um, producing content in a blog and getting an email over the transom asking us to testify to Congress, which led to us going out to a national laboratory. Um, what I started working on then was doing that at scale. 
And uh, about seven years ago, I was asked to give a presentation to the American Marketing Association about how we had this. I, I did another project and, and it was kind of high profile. And I, I went to this presentation and I said, there's seven things you have to do to succeed. Number one, you have to have a North Star idea. We only have a moment to capture people's attention. And so um, your North Star idea is what gets somebody to click or read the rest, you know, go past the subject and open the email or hmm. right, you, you really have to do the work to understand what it is that motivates people. What are the, what are the topics that they're going to care about? SEO helps you identify what kinds of things you might do and then and then align that with that list and so that it might it might express itself as the name of your blog instead of mm -hmm. saying blog on your website you might, like ours is the hub we really help people put content hubs together you know as, mm -hmm. as, so the hub is our our north star um, then you need an editorial calendar step two is okay so what content over time am i going to publish and this is the way the way a publisher works. They they put together the year's worth of content, and it, it's you know very specific for this quarter and general out in the year. But you take all of your customer research and you start saying what articles, videos, um, uh, ebooks am I going to do, and how am I going to do that over time? Well, when you put it on a calendar, you also then identify who your writer is, your your mm -hmm. video producer, et cetera. And that allows you to then have a budget. So now we start to build the guts of what our year of publishing content looks like and how much it's going to cost us and who's going to do it. That the is, next... oh, go ahead. No, <laughs> well, I was just going to say that's, that's so important because um, so often we find people just strike out. And they know they need to produce content, so they start producing content, and that'll go kind of in bunches. First, they write a bunch of um, success stories and get them on the website. And then they put together some ebooks, and then they put together, and it's just random. And if you can sprinkle stuff out and scatter it and have it at the right cadence, uh, it might work a little bit better. It it helps to have a strategy. Yep. So so then you're looking at that content you've planned out, and uh, and you've got your budget and who's going to do it. Well, now it's distribution. So media is all about, uh, media is all about uh, not only producing the content, but getting it into distribution. And mm -hmm. that's how media companies think of the world. Well, now we need to do that. So for us, that's what social media platforms do our, uh, does our audience congregate on. And we can be very strategic about that content we've produced and where we distribute it and how, and, and then building in as many pathways back to us from those distribution points. So think of, again, our website is the hub and the spokes are these social media platforms. And the goal is to get links from those social media platforms back into our hub. And when you think about it that way, all of a sudden you start saying things like, well, why should I publish my article on LinkedIn? Mm -hmm. I want to publish that on my blog and then write a summary on LinkedIn and have people come back to us. So you're, you're doing everything you can to optimize these pathways back to our hub. So a hub and spoke kind of mentality for 
the publishing and distribution of content is is a helpful model just to keep in your head. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I, I've talked to clients. I've, I've even just looked myself and they have great content and nobody's reading it. Nobody's watching it. And that's, um, it, it's sad. I mean, just bluntly, that's the only, the best word I can think of. It's sad because they put the time and effort into it. You know, that maybe they hired somebody for design and everything just looks pretty and perfect. But if you don't have a plan for that distribution, people aren't going to go online and type in your URL and look at your website. They have to, they have to find it somehow. <laughs> exactly. And so then what happens as a result of that problem you just described is that they, they default to, to advertising and mm -hmm. it's very expensive and there's, you know, there's very little equity in, in advertising. If you stop advertising, you stop getting leads. If you have mm -hmm. content, you're committed over time to building that hub up with, as a library, uh, that's not salesy, but rather helpful. Um, you will think like be thinking like a publisher and building your audience and and so that that platform approach will save you a lot in advertising budget uh mm -hmm. as, as you were going absolutely um, all right so, so we got through one two and three yep so the next thing you need to do, and I used to have this is the same as, as publishing and distribution, but that's community and events. And they're very different in two ways. The first is that most sales professionals will tell you that anywhere between 70 and 90% of your leads come from networking and referrals and prospecting. Mm -hmm. It's in the community and at the events that you get those referrals. And so the all of the digital publishing you do at the end of the day, you're going to get most of your leads from networking and prospecting, probably. Not every business, but in, as a general rule, that's a, the, the major source is from, that's why we have business development reps, right? BDRs. So if we bring in the content and the community together and we think about it as, as a holistic system, we start to see ways that our content can participate in the shows that we attend. So maybe the name of our blog also becomes the, uh, the fireside chat that we participate in at a conference. Mm -hmm. our, our, our blog is called The Hub. What if I went to a conference and I had The Hub fireside chat? Right. Mm -hmm. So you can see how you can weave all this together and, and the whole marketplace sees that story and they know that you have content out there digitally, but the likelihood is they're probably connecting with you at this event. So that's that's one really important distinction about the, the community and events side of it. Another is that those are that those places you go and those people you talk to are your sources of stories. Mm -hmm. Um couple things like everybody wants to be interviewed for your blog. Nobody wants to talk to your sales guy. Right? <laughs> and so when you understand that, you can start approaching these events where people participate in your content. And as a result, they connect with your salesperson and you train. You'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But your salespeople are able to start talking about people about what they're interested in. They're more consultative. And and they're sources of your content. You might even invite your your um, your blog writer editor to attend mm -hmm. and look for stories. 
Um, so you can really be a thought leader. That It's those places where things are happening out on the front lines where the new ideas are being hatched. And these, these are not just customers. They're participants in the marketplace that have stories to tell. And you look like a hero when you tell your customer stories or your prospective customer stories. Absolutely. We focus a lot on um, problem solving, and that's the, the core of most consultative selling. And if we often see in organizations, salespeople and people that are out in the market talking to clients, they know what problems customers have because they're talking to them. And you even have in the delivery organization, um, people who are actually implementing projects, they know the, the result of the problems that clients have and, and specifically how they're solved. And if that information doesn't get back to marketing, then marketing might be going forth with a message that's not relevant. And so when it, when it comes to um, times where you can get together like that um, and, and really combine the, the stories and the context and see what you know, what are the trends? What are people talking about? That really drives just more um, ability to interact with what what people are actually interested in, as opposed to just talking about what you want to talk about, which might not be what they want to talk about. And you do a whole, right? We, we were given two ears and one mouth, and we should use them in that proportion. <laughs> um, so, those are the things that we do to generate our face to the market, right? The, the North Star idea, the content that supports it, the publishing and distribution and the community and events. That's our forward-looking publishing of content. The next one is really about capturing the value, and that's marketing automation and, yeah. and CRM and other marketing technologies. And there's very little differentiation between the technology vendors and there are literally tens of thousands of technology vendors. And so, and I've worked with over half a dozen CRMs and marketing automation systems mm -hmm. in the last 10 years. Uh, the first one I used was sugar and it was an open source CRM. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. We're all working on the same customer database now. Um, <laughs> and I've worked with that one. And, uh, you know, then I mentioned earlier HubSpot and Salesforce, um, Salesforce invested in HubSpot in 2007, and that really brought together marketing automation and CRM into one database and one view of the world. Um, there are other things like video serving where all, you know, video is a very highly, uh, in demand tool right now. Well, some of them are, you know, like YouTube will give you broad distribution. Others give you more analytics. And mm -hmm. so just thinking about the entire system of your tech stack and putting the pieces together, um, again, it, to me, it almost doesn't matter which one you use as long as you do the things you need to do to make them successful. And some are going to have bells and whistles one way and others have other bells and whistles and they differentiate and this, an organization may choose one over the other. I come at it more from how do we make that technology serve the first four buckets that we talked about and, and bring that all together so that we're getting marketing people, the ability to, to publish at scale and we get the mm -hmm. analytics 
net publishing? And then how do we integrate that into our sales pipeline so that salespeople get brought in at the right time? That kind of thinking is more at a strategic level and you can stitch any of the tools that you select together with that framework. And it's really important to, to making sales and marketing work together. Absolutely. I love that distinction you made between, you know, sometimes you're going to get a broader audience, but maybe you're not going to get a lot of insight. Sometimes you're going to get every little detail, but only three people seen it. So, you know, everything there is to know about those three people, but that's not super helpful unless, you know, you're going to close all three of them and each of them is going to be a million dollars, in which case maybe it is. And so really thinking about the, the strategy. I have been saying for 10 years, there's 4 billion people on the internet, over half the earth's population, Mm -hmm. but you probably only need 50 to make your numbers this year. Pick a number, right? But (laughs) your publishing are to those 50 and not to the 4 billion. And that is really the key to success in, in content marketing is knowing your customer and giving them what they want, helping them, being seen as a resource. And if I talk about something very, very specific, that's very niche and, and there's, you know, 8,000 customers in North America that we're targeting. And we know that at any given time, you know, 180 of them buy every year and we've got a million dollar product. I, I may just choose to, you know, really focus on building, you know, half a dozen relationships this year. Uh, and mm-hmm. and nurturing the others that I have, but it's very small and very niche. But the value is incredible. Absolutely, you see some people and some organizations, and they really are trying to market to those four billion um, mm-hmm. when it comes to the content. And they're, you know, you see them posting blog posts with look what happened at the Oscars or at the Met Gala, and and it's like they're trying to compete with BuzzFeed. <laughs> And unless you are selling to all of those people and it really aligns with your strategy, you might get eyeballs. You might get people to land on it, but then they're just going to leave your website because they're not interested in the specific problem that you have, the specific thing that it is that you're selling. And that also really does dilute um, your kind of reputation, your credibility when it comes to your target audience. So really you demonstrating on we're subject matter experts. You hit the nail on the head. and. Um, what my favorite clients are the ones that hire us for four to six months to take a step back and look at the marketplace. Let's gather market research that we have. Let's identify if we need to do a piece of research that we, to answer a a question, um, about how we segment our market or something like that. Um, what messaging would appeal to people, the SEO, um, not to make it align with Google, but there's a ton, ton of information within uh, tools like SEMrush where we can identify titles of content um, that would be appealing and we can see how many people are reading about it. And so that mm-hmm. helps inform us just like it's a new form of market research. If you And then you can do a competitive survey of websites and social media from a half a dozen competitors and look for the white space. If you step back and really take time to do the research and then put them through these seven buckets, I call them buckets that we're talking about, we'll come up with a strategy that just, it, it becomes apparent what we need to do by doing the research. And, and so 
The number of people, though, that I think you've identified this too is in this conversation, most people just kind of take a, a scattershot approach, start publishing content, and they don't have a strategy. And I, I, I love working for customers that say, you know, this hasn't been working or we're starting a new initiative and we want to do it right. Let's do 90 days of market research and mm-hmm. SEO and competitive analysis. And then let's really come to market with content that's impactful and helpful because we have a strategy. Yeah, I think maybe it's some inherent laziness, but I don't want to be doing a whole lot of work that doesn't get the result that I'm looking for. And so taking, you know, it's the, the all the way back, whatever, sharpening the saw, it, you have to do that setup. You have to do that research and figure all that out. And then it, there are so many different things that you can do now. There are so yep. many places you can publish content it's even more important to really figure out which ones make sense for your organization because you could spend unlimited amounts of money in marketing if you just want to be everywhere. And you can really get the most kind of bang for your buck when you know exactly where you need to be and what you need to talk about there for people to want to talk to you. We're doing a project right now where their strategy is advertising and SEO to consumers and I made the case that you'll go broke getting mm-hmm. to the scale you need to. And we we are now working on a content strategy for channel partners because mm. the only way they're going to make their numbers is if their sales team starts working on, on partnership development. Yep. I've, I've seen that so often. And then you have organizations that have channel partners and they just ignore them. They hope the channel partners kind of do their thing and there's no integrated strategy. And that's um, a recipe for lack of success, let's say. (laughs) So so that's marketing automation and that's bucket uh, number four. And Mm -hmm. um, five, I think. I'm sorry, bucket number five. Um, And and then that kind of leads to what you just said. Bucket number six is your sales model. And you're, Mm -hmm. you're so taking this content, identifying what it is, narrowing it down to a niche where you're really going to make your numbers focusing on just those or or one of your initiatives to focus on just those and then having the automation to produce it at scale and track it and get your reporting and and see the metrics of what's working and what's not the next step is your sales model mm-hmm. right so how what what's the sales enablement portion of your content how does it help move you know, the external view of it is the customer journey. The internal view of it is your sales process. Mm-hmm. And if you map content that you've done in this planning to date and start looking at what do I need to do to help our salespeople introduce us? What do I need to do in the middle of the funnel to help them make comparisons and and view us favorably and hear our, hear our story and our message? And then at the bottom of the funnel, what do I do to unstick it? So maybe an ROI calculator, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is an example of a classic bottom of the funnel kind of engagement with a customer. Um, that mapping of content to what a salesperson is experiencing is really, really important. And I can't tell you how many times marketing does what they think they want and what really could help is taking something like a tool or a presentation that your star salesperson does and figure Mm -hmm. out how to turn it into a piece of content or an engaging piece Mm -hmm. of content. 
it's interactive. Um, you end up then giving leads to the salespeople where some of that work's already done. And Absolutely. you're taking something that a star salesperson did and, and educating the rest of the fo- sales force on best practices. Absolutely. Uh, like you said, things like an ROI calculator or a, you know, here's how to decide between options. Here's how to compare. Here's what mm-hmm. to look for when you're planning this sort of a project. It's not just helping the salespeople. It's that buyer behaviors and expectations have changed. And we want to do that work. We want to know that we're picking the right thing. And I, I have had multiple occasions where I filled out a form to get an ebook or to get some sort of a resource, and I got a phone call. Mm-hmm. And that is not the buyer journey <laughs> that I am on. And so if you have a sales process that doesn't match the buyer journey, you're going to really irritate your buyers, and they might not actually buy. And, and so I love working with the sales team, the sales leadership, understanding what that journey is, and then looking for what content would help at, at those stages to improve the outcomes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. So I'm, I, I feel like there's kind of, I should have a drum roll here, but what's step seven? <laughs> it is. This is the drum roll um, bucket. This is the ROI model. Mm-hmm. And the you, you can download it from our website. I invite everybody to check it out. But it's a, it's a simple spreadsheet with on tab one, you have all the budget line items of the things we're going to do for content this year mapped out over time and you get a bottom line number at the end of the year we will have spent a hundred thousand dollars for round numbers and then you go to tab two and you identify the channels where you get leads and Mm -hmm. how how what the fall off rate is in that waterfall from traffic Mm -hmm. to, to opportunities to sales and we can do a predictive model and sensitivity test. How many leads, how much traffic do we need to generate through our website, through LinkedIn, through events that we attend, right? Those are three channels. And what's what's our historical on those? And most salespeople can give you a pretty good estimate of, of their, their win rate from yep. cold to... So you apply that logic to tab two, Here's the channels. Here's our fall off. We could expect to generate uh, 47 leads. Uh, I'm sorry, um, sales from several hundred or several thousand people, right? So now we get that mm-hmm. 47. We're selling a $100,000 product. So that's $470,000 worth of revenue. Yep. And if I'm proposing a program of... Um, $150,000 this year to spend on marketing and content and videos and all of this stuff we're talking about. If, would I spend $150,000 to generate $427,000? That's, that's like a dollar in, $3 out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody would mind that sort of a return. So now I can go to the CFO and the CEO and and say, Here's our objectives. This is the North Star idea. Here's the content we plan to produce. We're going to distribute it through these channels. We're going to attend these events this year. Here's our marketing automation. We need to spend a little money to upgrade that. 
And this is how we're going to relate all that content to the sales process. And I think I can get a $3 for every dollar we invest. That's the strategic conversation to help you think like a publisher. Remember, a publisher is a business owner mm-hmm. or you have a, of a publishing organization that has to generate content to sell newspaper, um, to, to sell advertising. We're doing everything they did and we're coming to the, the, the C-suite with a case that says, this is how I intend to make money this year. And that's why we have an ROI model. Absolutely. It's, I can't think of many executives who, if, you know, their, their marketing lead, whoever that might be, you know, VP, CMO, um, came to them with a plan like this, they wouldn't at the very least take it seriously and, you know, want to validate. But um, so often in the past, a lot of organizations have viewed marketing as uh, an expense yep. and as just necessary cost of doing business. And it's not measurable. And we're just going to raise it 2% a year or whatever. <laughs> and just pick a random number as opposed to here's what we need to accomplish. Here's what it's going to cost to get there. And we're spending it and we're doing it. And you may well be spending a whole lot less money and doing wildly different things, but it's all about doing the right things at the right times. So, so that's what I love in my role as a fractional CMO is to come in and help organizations rethink this. And we have a research program to help them get the information to look at this problem set so that it's, it, it's not just what we did last year plus 2%. It's a really thoughtful, educated, and informed approach. And then a model of these seven buckets that we'll take them through. And so that the end of our engagement, we've taken them from, gosh, this is kind of confusing to, gee, this makes a lot of sense. And that's how we love to engage with our, our clients is to do that study and planning and strategy um, so that the C-suite signs off on it, empowers the marketing department department to do their part, brings the sales team and the marketing department to talk together because they're excited about it. It's a new initiative. And this stuff can be really fun. And you know, when mm-hmm. it starts to work, the old saying, everybody loves a winner, right? Yep. We get everybody involved. And so that's the last uh, part I'd say. And I don't, I don't talk about this as much, but I have a set, or Publio, has developed a set of worksheets that we can either distribute as PDFs. We've loaded them up into project management systems. Um, one day I'd like to have our, our own platform. As you and I have talked in the past, uh, the, when we first met, um, about having a platform to help mm-hmm. facilitate that knowledge transfer with customers. But regardless of whether it's a PDF in a project management system or, um, or, or a standalone application, what you have to do is get people to work together throughout the year to execute the plan. And so these worksheets mm-hmm. and things that we do following the strategy being funded help us week in, week out, make sure we're publishing, make sure that we're looking at leads, make sure that we're you know, seeing what, what is working and what isn't and where we can course correct in the year. And that requires a weekly or biweekly meeting. And we've, we've built the agenda to help teams manage that strategy over time. Absolutely. Because yeah, these seven steps will get you to having a smart plan and then you have to actually execute on it and measure against it. And um, 
I definitely the more you could have in terms of templates and, and tools, the better. Uh, a lot of times we see people trying to reinvent the wheel and that's not necessarily a necessary necessarily necessary but um that's not necessary so (laughs) (laughs) words mouth um okay so uh a question that i love asking um of our guests especially people like you who who are out there kind of talking to a lot of different organizations and, and leaders what are the trends that you're looking at as you think about the future of marketing the future of content of publishing what are some of the things you're keeping your eyes on um one is this um, <clears throat> this whole trend towards uh, going virtual and you know working um, in in the cloud and people you know moving away from big cities to lower cost areas mm-hmm. of living that they've done in the pandemic. It's really transitioned the the way we work. Uh, some organizations are really pushing hard to get people back into the office. I think others are really trying to build the the, the cloud tools so that they can have a culture of letting people live where they want and get the work done. Um, it's very situationally dependent, but I think that that trend is really enhancing the need to have a content strategy. Mm. Um, another one that I kind of stumbled upon um, and, and have partnered up with a fellow named Roz Chowdhury at Sam AI uh, down in, in New York city um, is the idea that you can bring people together for these roundtables, and that content and community are, the, I'm sorry, conversation and, and community are content today. As I said it earlier, this mm-hmm. idea that Zoom, a Zoom call with the right people on it is immediate content that can lead to leads right away. And instead of spending three months trying to come up with a new content and build the landing pages and embed it in the CRM and, 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 um, you know, maybe have a supporting video. I mean, literally in 10 days, you can have a roundtable series set up that, mm-hmm. that it's easy on the organization producing it. Your, your job is to be a facilitator, not a, not a presenter. And it's really in demand by people. They've spent two years sitting on Zoom in Zoom rooms meeting new people. Um, and many of them, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, a lot of us belong to one, two, three, four, five groups that we attend each month. And mm-hmm. they're people that we know. Uh, and we have a, a roundtable sharing our news and, and solving a problem. Well, you can create that experience now for people who don't know each other by using AI uh, and, and cloud-based technologies to pull these little instant meetings together. And it doesn't take a lot of time to do it. I think that is going to be a huge trend that we're going away from write a white paper, download it, hope somebody reads it, follow up with a fo- phone call, <laughs> whether you do it you know, in five minutes or, or three days later. Mm-hmm. It, it's really about getting people to have this global community conversation amongst their peers. And, and those organizations that get it, I think, have a, 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 a leg up. Absolutely. All right. Um, question I always like to ask our guests is, do you have any resources that you would recommend to our listeners? They can be obviously yours. You've touched on a few resources that you have. But I'd love to hear um, what other sources of content um, you have that uh, have really influenced you. Um, 
Well, you know, I will give credit where credit's due. Um, about 10 years ago, I started following HubSpot. They are a tremendous resource. Um, they, they have built an amazing brand. A lot of people use them because they're using all the things we're talking about. Um, there are a lot, of, and I'm, as a consultant, I'm indifferent. I, I will praise them. I've used them. I think they're great. There's a lot of other ways to do it, but they, they do have tremendous amount of content. Another is the Content Marketing Institute. Um, anybody who's in marketing probably knows those two. If you're an entrepreneur, a CEO, um, a head of sales, you may not know about those resources, but there's a lot of good information to help use content for sales purposes at those two. Two of our own are, um, I have a, a ebook on our website, which is Publio, and I'll spell it P-U-B as in boy, L-I dot I-O. And at, at Publio, you can see that we have a book, a little 40-page book that'll outline these ideas um, and, and help you on your journey. And then I also have an, mm -hmm. an ROI calculator, which you can download and that comes with an hour of consultation. Uh, we'll help you think through the, the budget to do something like this and the return that you could expect using your numbers. All right. Wonderful. Um, you've already mentioned your website, but um, if listeners want to learn more about you and your work, is there anywhere else that you would recommend that they find you? I do. We have another technology partner called WinLocal. And mm -hmm. if you send a text and I want to make sure I get this exactly right <laughs> <laughs> to Publio, P-U-B-L-I dot I-O. So the content of the text is the word Publio. And instead of a phone number, you send the text to 88500. You'll get a copy of the book, access to the website, our LinkedIn information uh and we'll be able to follow up with you uh if you don't want us to follow up you know please let us know we're, we're not here to to pester people but we do have some resources available so at our website publi.io or text 80 text publio publio to 88500 all right. Wonderful. That, that's definitely one of those things that I'm, I'm getting a lot of those kind you know, text this to this and you get a result and I have not yet gotten there, but um, to figure out how to do it, but it's very cool. So good job. <laughs> well, I can help do that. We, you know, we are not <laughs> real big technology sellers, but we do have partnerships with uh, both Sam AI and WinLocal mm -hmm. and it's, we, we've partnered with them because these things work. You know, how easy yep. is it to send a text and then have in your browser a little link tree of ways to interact with us and some of the content that we're, we're sharing with people? Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much for speaking with me today, Keith. I learned so much and really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. I thank you. And um, and the last point I just want to say is that Sam AI really has a, a roundtable module. I, I, I failed to mention that earlier. Um, and it, it's definitely worth checking out. So thank you, Elizabeth. Oh. I appreciate your time and the, and, and the opportunity to come and tell our story. 
thank you so much. Um, and thank you to all of the listeners for tuning into the show today. You can find the notes and resources for everything that Keith and I have been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 349. A little announcement. This is going to be the last show for just a little while. We are taking a hiatus for the month of July and we will be back in August. I already know a few of the guests that we have scheduled and it's going to be a lot of fun. But I hope everybody enjoys their summer, get to the beach, um, you know, get out there. If you enjoyed the show today, please recommend us to a friend. That's the best way to help more people discover it. And if you haven't yet subscribed, please do that wherever it is that you're listening. That way you get every new episode as soon as it goes live. You, we love your feedback. You can leave us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or your player of choice. Or you can email us if you've got questions, if you've got feedback, if you've got suggested guests or topics, podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook and the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Rylan Sylvester. Happy selling. Happy selling.